My name is Dustin Kelly, but everybody calls me DJ. I'm prior army, serving as both a Ford observer and a military police officer. I've spent the last 14 and a half years as a police officer and detective in a large metropolitan police department. Two things that I've learned throughout my career. One, everybody has a story to tell. And two, the best stories are true. This is the DTD Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the DTD Podcast. This week, we're going to look at politics, but not in a way that you normally do. We're going to look at it from a humorous angle. Tonight, I have on the show a cartoonist and satirist, A.F. Branko. Now, he's been on Fox News, Rush Limbaugh, and he's known for his very decisive and sometimes very uh, angry cartoons. Let's get into it with him. AF, how are you? I'm doing great, DJ. Thanks for having me on, and thank you for your service as well. Oh, well, you're very welcome. You. And let's talk about Maxine Waters for a minute. Now, I want to come back to her sure. later on, but if if you notice, um, when she makes speeches or when she talks about things, she's very well known for telling people, you need to be more aggressive. You need to get in their faces. You need to do all these things. Yet the same people that are saying these things uh, attack conservatives, con uh, attack the right for saying, be aggressive in your thoughts, be aggressive in your in your actions. I think we're talking about two different aggressives though. And, and you see it. And what I thought was amazing was when all this was said, nothing was said to her. Uh, she wasn't um, taken out of her job, anything like that. When the riots, and we'll kind of bring these back together, when the riots happened uh, in Washington, D.C., uh, they were looking for heads to claim on that one, saying that the president had uh, started this up, had sent those people there, had uh, really incited this. Yet when it was brought up to look at the other side, it was once again overlooked. They, they have a substantial amount of power right now in the House and in the Senate. Mostly a lot of it's in the House. They have the presidency. But everything they look at, everything that comes across on the media is run through this um, sifter. And uh, uh, it's run through of, okay, can it help us politically? And if it can't help us politically, how can we spin it to where it does help us politically? And that's what MSNBC and CNN and NPR do all the, the time. If it's something that's going to hurt Biden, for instance, they will they will reframe the question as to uh, Republicans are outraged at such and such, and and they reframe it to where it comes out that their that their ideas and and that it, it basically comes down to where that it, it helps them and doesn't. Uh, doesn't affect their guy. Yeah. And, and I want to bring that up with one of your uh, pictures, uh, one of your cartoons, and, and I want to take a look at it real quick. And what I want to talk about on it is when you talk about the border crisis, and let's talk about that one for just a minute. You made this one. Why haven't you gone to the border? Don't come. Media want a cookie. Okay. Okay. Now, what's interesting about this one to me is 
President Trump took a lot of flack for trying to stop the flow when there was a huge caravan headed to the United States. We just saw the other day where Vice President Harris told people, I know you want to come here, but don't come. There's a legal way to do it, which is the exact same thing that was said before, but nothing was mentioned again. So I want you to talk about this cartoon and your thoughts on it. Uh, basically, she's holding up a sign that says, don't come. And then, of course, she's laughing, you know, ha, 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 you know, she, like she always does about everything. Uh, and then, uh, you know, it's in relationship to the, the cookie thing. Uh, to me, that the cartoon speaks to is she just not she's just not interested in the border and she's trying to shift it away nonchalantly like it's no big deal. Um, I think that um, Trump had the border situation solved for a, a little while. It, he had worked hard to get the, the wall up. He was still working on it. He, he had stopped the flow of people coming into the border and across the border by uh, making them stay in Mexico and, and have their cases heard uh, as they came about and, and over time. And then Biden comes in and, and just disrupts all of that. Um, by deeds, you, you know, his deeds have been that we're going to allow, we're going to allow people to, we're going to tell people that if they do come, we're going to take care of them. And that opened the floodgates. And he said that on many occasions, he said that through the campaign, uh, that, uh, if you, if you do come, we're not going to turn them away. Um, there was, uh, what a year of of kids in cages with Trump and, and then uh, Biden, Biden saying that they weren't going to do that anymore, but yet now they're doing it. So uh, there's a lot of reasons why they're coming, but mainly is that they, they heard uh, Biden. But I think that that was all said, and, and I could be completely wrong because I'm not a political pundit. I'm not anything like that. I just look at it from my point of view. But I believe mm -hmm. a lot of that was said during the election and right after the election, because that's what gets asses in seats. I, I, and and, and I, I don't know any other way to say it. If you want to get people on board and you want to get a majority, which we've talked about really is right now, you have to tell them what they want to hear. Right. And there are a lot of liberals that want to hear that. They have such a displaced uh, compassion. Their compassion is very skewed. They, they, they divert their compassion to the squeaky wheel or whatever the camera is viewing and don't take into account that when you put a bunch of unskilled uh, workers, uneducated, unskilled workers into our economy, that hurts our people. That hurts American citizens. And where is the compassion for those people? Am I, am I, am I a little too serious for a cartoonist? You would expect a comedian here. Well, I'm only funny on paper. That's Yeah, but but I I think with you saying that there's a purpose for that. If you just come across angry all the time, no one's going to listen to you after a while. Yeah. So if if you can poke fun at it and still make a point to it, you're going to get a lot more people paying attention to it. Speaking mm -hmm. of, of the border again, we have another person that continues popping up in the news, AOC. That, like you were saying, that they're keeping people in cages. That was all during the Trump administration. 
there were some very famous photos that we don't know quite if they were set up to be like that or if they were photoshopped, but of AOC at the border looking through the fences. Uh, when you bring it up now, it doesn't seem to be that big of a deal anymore. And so I wonder. Yeah, yeah she was. Go ahead. Oh, no, I just said she was crying at a bunch of parked cars from what I heard. So, <laughs> yeah, well, and so when when you get to it now and you say, uh, you know, it's not that big of a deal now or they're being taken care of better. As far as I understand, it's all the same structures. It's all the same buildings that are were around during the Trump administration. It's it, there's no difference. They haven't built anything new. There's no. Uh, streamline system or anything like that. So I, once again, I've heard you say over and over, the reason that you draw cartoons is to show the hypocrisy of the left. And, and I think, and I think this is a huge hypocrisy. Absolutely. It's one of my pet peeves is the hypocrisy of the media, which I, I mean, they're beyond help. Everybody knows that even the people on the left know that the media is all in the camp of the Democrats. They're just the, the propaganda arm of the Democrat Party. But uh, like I said, uh, people like AOC, they're not interested in kids in cages when Biden is president because it doesn't it doesn't advance their power. It doesn't advance their narrative. Uh, they're not interested in black on black crime and all the death and and destruction in Chicago and different cities where black people are purple. That doesn't matter to these people. They don't want to hear about it. So if they really, black lives really mattered, they would be very concerned about those black lives. But black lives only seem to matter if you're killed by a white cop. And that is the type of hypocrisy that I try to bring out in some of my cartoons when I have the chance. So what kind of, before we get into your, your actual cartoons, what kind of backlash when you do receive it, what are you getting? Oh, uh, yeah, emails I get, uh, especially on my threads, Twitter. I, I get a lot of uh, backlash. I'm on, uh, my cartoons have been dominant. Uh, Fox News has been putting them up there every day. Uh, as the cartoon of the day, and they've been doing that for a couple of months, and they have a thread there um, of comments that people make, and uh, it's it's fun to kind of look at the comments. The comments range from anything, most often, probably about a good ninety uh, percent. Great job, love your stuff, awesome, don't stop that type of thing, and then you have the other um, where you're the worst person. You're I wish you would just go bleep yourself and bleep, 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 bleep. You know? <laughs> but, uh, and then there's some I know uh, that get taken down. Some of the comments get taken down? Yeah. <laughs> I, I can I only imagine what those threat. said. Oh, yeah. I don't want to have, I'd look at those. But I've had death threats. I've had, uh, uh, you know, subliminal, not subliminal, but... Uh, veiled death threats that are kind of, you know, innuendos. Um, uh, it's just some, some horrible stuff. Um, and so when you get stuff like that, when you get death threats for a cartoon, how do you continue doing what you do? Do you have an end game? Do you have, is it just something altruistic? What is it that keeps you going after you see, man, people want to kill me over a cartoon? 
<laughs> First of all, I know I'm over the target when I'm getting the flack, and I get a lot of flack. Um, the, the most pointed cartoons, the ones that really encompass a lot of truth and fact and really punch between the eyes are the ones where the liberals seem like they come from all over to attack. How I take that is I must be doing, if I wasn't, if I wasn't get, getting any type of flack or, you know, I would, I would think I'm not doing my job or, or getting the points out that I want to get out there. Um, I love the accolades. I love the kudos and the accolades, but I know that uh, if that's all I'm getting, I'm uh, the, the liberals aren't, aren't disturbed by what I'm saying. And that's well, how I feel about that. Well, and, and I, I think that goes to, we can go back to talk about president Trump for a minute. I think that that was a lot of things. Um, he did say, and, and I'm going to be the first to say it. I love president Trump as being president. He did say a lot of dumb things. I, I get it. I, I'll be the first to admit it. There's some things that you just shouldn't do. You shouldn't be on Twitter. You, there, there's a lot of things. On the opposite side of that coin, though, it feels like the first time in a long time in politics that he was actually putting people or someone was actually putting people on their heels and making them really worry about what could possibly happen. Could the swamp be drained? Could these ideas become, uh, I guess, policy? And so that's what I really enjoyed about it. We see a lot of things, and I've seen your cartoon where um, we had a great economy during Trump, and you have uh, Obama being carried, and he says, I made that happen. Um, but we see right as we go back into a Democratic view, uh, gas prices are through the roof, lumber prices are through the roof, food prices are through the roof, service prices are through the roof. And there has to be something to it that as soon as they take over, uh, Biden, Harris, uh, the the crew that is in facto or de facto running Washington right now, there has to be something to that. That's not something made up in people's minds. And I just wonder, and I think I've seen you draw a picture about it. I sure would like a mean tweet and a dollar fifty gas right now. I mean, absolutely. Uh, I, I have done a few cartoons with that. Uh, I can't recollect, recollect, but I have done a few. And I'm not quite sure about the scenario, but it's almost like it's fallen apart, but at least we don't have Donald Trump tweeting anymore. We have the world is in a, in a nuclear comet that's going to destroy the world in 10 minutes to worry about Trump. The way I look at it, I don't know who he is. I've never hung out with him. I've never been invited to the White House or uh, Mar-a-Lago to get to know him or anything. For me, for all I know, he could be a he could be a real big rear end. Um, but that's not why I voted for him. I didn't vote for him, his personality. I voted for him because first the first time I voted for him was he wasn't Hillary. <laughs> Absolutely, and I think that's he what a lot of people. Hillary. Hillary was so crooked that you, you could you could smell the stench of TV, and everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. She was putting on this big smiley face, but that was. And then I I, I voted for him because I hoped what he was saying was true. 
That was the reason I voted for him the first time. The second time I voted for him, I knew that this guy had my and our, our country's interests at the forefront of every decision he made, whether it was the border, foreign policy, whether it was dealing with Germany, whether it was dealing with Russia, dealing with China or any any situation that came out. He always put put um, America first. And now we can see everybody thought he was in cahoots with Putin and all this. Now we know who really was in cahoots with Putin, and that was Biden. And now we understand more about the money that Hunter Biden from uh, the oligarch a uh, couple of years ago. Now we know more about what what was expected from Biden if he became president, and that was to open up that pipeline in uh, rush one of ours down. It's it's horrid. <laughs> well, I, I want to go back to something you said um, when you were talking about Hillary and Trump, and you said the first time you voted for Trump because he wasn't Hillary. I completely agree with you on that. Here's the only problem that I see, and it kind of bit us in the ass this last time, because I think a lot of people voted for Biden because he wasn't Trump. I Absolutely. really think I really think that that kind of came back on us and uh, said that, you know, he's not Trump, just like we said, Trump's not mm -hmm. Hillary. Uh, now, yeah. as for voter fraud and all those things that are being sorted out, I, I once again go back to saying Trump says some crazy things I heard yesterday that he, he's now telling people that he would be reinstated as a president by August. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but I, I, I really go back to that voting thing where it felt good for us to say that, but then it hurt us in the end. And I, mm -hmm. I, I wonder if that's going to continue to hurt us in elections from now on. Yeah, it was an unusual, for me, it was an unusual election. Both of them were. You had Hillary, the Hillary uh, Trump election was unusual in that a lot of people just did not trust her. But I think with the Trump uh, Biden uh, election, it's a little bit different. They, they actually could see uh, what Trump had done. If you, I mean, but the media wasn't reporting all the achievements he, he had done for the United States. States. I mean, from prison reform to how he uh, dealt with China, how he dealt with Russia, all of those things should, if, if the media was reporting it, should have been enough to push him over the edge. The economy, uh, the economy before COVID was so evident that even though COVID was there, that they would work again once we got past it. But I think the media did such a great job of banging away the fact that he was responsible for 500,000 deaths due to COVID, that it was a, that was effective. So that's, that's the difference between the Hillary Trump and the Trump-Biden election. Um, hopefully, and also we have to keep in mind that uh, the Democrats worked overtime using COVID as a way to change the voting regulations in different states, um, I believe was unconstitutional. And uh, hopefully at some point that'll be uh, uh, litigated somewhere. But uh, they went around, and that was smart of them to do if, they, if it's legal, to go around to each state. Keep in mind, I just want to keep in mind and reiterate this one thing, and it, it, it doesn't get spoken of enough, and that is that I think... Obama won the election with over 2000 with 2000 
some odd counties. And I'm kind of um, in the ballparking here. About 2,000 some odd counties nationwide, he won. Biden only won with 400 counties. And he won in each state that he needed to win. He won by an absorbent amount. So it just I'm just questioning that that is so different than any election we've had. If if it was the same, it would have been it would have been spread out among all those counties. But it wasn't. It was just in one, maybe one particular county that he needed to win in. So there is some anomalies in this, and it needs to be investigated. I think. Uh, not not saying that that it was because of cheating. Well, I I think once again we go back to what kind of bit us on that one was. I think that the Clinton Trump election took so many people by surprise that it was very easy to use that argument on the next election. Well, well Trump won and he wasn't supposed to win. And now Biden won, and he wasn't supposed to win. And I think, once again, you look at that, and I think that's what bit us again, because people go, if yeah. that can happen, this can definitely happen. Right. Right. I think a little bit of the difference was is uh, in the, the poll numbers. The poll numbers had Biden winning by what, 12, 11. They had such a – and he didn't win by that much. Um uh, I, I think the poll numbers were fabricated. I don't believe the polls at all anymore, especially after that. And I think they're used to form opinion rather than inform people. You know, so. Um, but I do agree with you. There, there is some similarities, whether or not, um, whether or not it, it it makes a difference in the outcome of an election. I don't know. I think that the Republicans need to get smarter about the legal aspects of this. If, if Democrats can go around to these county, counties and unconstitutionally change the laws in their favor, Republicans should be able to do it too. It's the Republican uh, state legislators that are supposed to make these changes, not arbitrarily through uh, uh, the governor or, or just just willy-nilly just change them they have to be done through a process and i believe that was unconstitutional the process that they use i i i would tend to uh, agree with you on that i think though that we're so far down the road from it that i don't know if there ever really will be a i guess you would say a true investigation of it we're we're a little too mm -hmm. far down the road there's a little too much i guess water under the bridge for this one to ever happen uh, and so what ends up happening is I think you get when when you have people say, well, maybe it wasn't cheating, but it was done this way. And this was an improper way to do it. You become a conspiracy theorist and yeah. you're only doing that because your guy didn't win. Right. And, and that's what a lot of people are going to say. So when I say the water under the bridge, there's so much of it that I don't know that we'll ever truly get an right. answer to that. You're not. You're not. You're, you make a really good point about that. That is why Republicans for the next election, I'm not talking about this one as much as for the next one, they have to be able to verify these signatures. They can't be allowed to kick people out, uh, uh, observers out. They they need to be able to verify these elections. And then when they go back and, and, and look at it, 
But a lot of that got thrown out because of COVID. Uh, I don't throw out uh, a signature verification and all that, but um, because COVID won't be an issue for the next election, there's no reason to have blanket, um, uh, blanket, uh, what do you call it? <laughs> the, uh, 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 mail-in voting. Okay. Mail-in voting, I believe, um, is just ripe with the possibilities of fraud and it's unnecessary. I think states that have learned how to do it and do it effectively, even then I'm concerned about, about voter fraud um, and any kind of mail-in ballot situation. When you, unless, unless somebody requests a, a ballot, they shouldn't be able to get one. Then they have to prove who you are. I get ballots in my mailbox that they don't belong to me. And, and I end up, you know, writing on them out and sending them in. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's what some people do. You know, that's what some people are doing. And um, so I'm concerned about that. And I think they need to do something to kind of prevent those things. And um, Democrats just aren't interested in it. They're not interested in making sure that the, Voter ID is a big one for me because there's only one reason you're not for voter ID, and that is for voter fraud. And if you think that voter that black people aren't available, aren't, aren't don't have the ability to get a voter ID, then you're the racist. Yeah, I, I want to talk about another one of your pictures. Um, and I want to talk about Pelosi and I want to talk about one that you did that, that I really enjoyed. Um, and we talk about McCarthyism, uh, Pelosi. Now I'm guessing you're talking about, uh, McCarthy and saying people were a communist. Um, I'm wondering though, on this one, how far do you think we are away from this actually happening? Of course, this literally has not happened, but how far are we from it? We're pretty close. I mean, we are always as far as the the absolute inquisition that McCarthy was doing. And um, I, although I think uh, McCarthy was his ideas as far as what's going on at that time with communism, his, his, his mannerisms, his, his ideas of how to go about doing it, his policies of of inquisition, you know, and, and getting people into to, to, to be investigated and all that and ruining people's lives. I think it hurt him. It hurt his, it hurt the idea of what was really actually happening. People became sympathetic to uh, the people that he was investigating. I think if, if Pelosi and the Democrats continue to do this, the same thing's going to happen. You already have a, um, a huge outburst of, of upheaval over critical race uh, theory and uh, there's all types of things like that that are brewing and Democrats always have a tendency to overreach um, there there are a lot of people that see this January 6 inquisition and hundreds of people locked up over just hanging out there uh, some of them were let into the into the capitol some of them were outside the capitol and they're locked up but yet they just let people who burn down courthouses and police stations across the country, they just let them go. 
Yes, they didn't burn the place down. They didn't, the person that died was um, one person who was shot by a Capitol Hill police officer. Babbitt, I think was her name. And uh, the Air Force veteran. Yeah, the Air Force vet veteran. And um, I, I, what was her first name? I don't want to forget her first name. I had it written down somewhere. Um, anyway, uh, forgive me for that. But anyway, uh, I, there isn't just one thing that the Democrats are doing that is that is hurting, I think, uh, ultimately hurting their cause. But then it goes back to the media. Is it being reported? Is it being, uh, the New York Post just came out with an article, the 10 top lies the media said, which were, I think, was uh, colluded with Russia, Muslim ban. Um, they lied about that. They lied about the taxes for the rich. percent of the people benefited from it. Uh, they lied about kids in cages. They lied about Hunter Biden laptop, all of this stuff. But it never comes across, never comes across all at once, like the Washington or like the New York Times Post put out there. So you, you can see one lump sum of what the media is doing and where it would be a completely different uh, story if it was Biden instead of Trump. And I think this cartoon that you uh, did right here kind of proves that point of what you just said. Um, you you see all of the destruction in the background, uh, but you have someone trying to push another agenda. Absolutely. And that's exactly what I was trying to, you know, convey in that cartoon. You have, you have Antifa, you have BLM, you have cities burning, you have uh, Minneapolis just devastated, you had Seattle. I mean, just a number of cities, whether right in LA, um, all this going on, police stations burned up, courthouses burned, uh, business after business, people dying, cops dying, all this, and hardly a mention from the Democrats or the media about it. What do they call it? Peaceful, pro mostly peaceful protest, right? Yes. Yes. So, and then suddenly, suddenly the worst thing to happen, he picks, he picks a different, uh, uh, worst thing to ever have, uh, the the most uh, dangerous thing to happen to people. He picks a different one every week. This week, last week, it was uh, uh, white supremacy. And I think this week it's uh, uh, global warming. But uh, he picks all these red herrings and all these uh, uh, deflection type uh, things to get you to look away from the disaster that the Democrats are. So... I want to talk about one other topic um, that kind of, I think all of this wraps around and it's something that's followed us for about the last year and a half, two years. And of course it's COVID. <laughs> it seems to be at the forefront of every, well, I know at least last year it was the forefront of every single story out there. You couldn't turn on the news. You couldn't watch a movie. You couldn't do anything without hearing about COVID. Some stuff has come out uh, about the doctor here. And um, we, we've seen that even though these mass mandates are happening, like in, in Texas where I'm at, um, where you're, you don't have to wear it, it's, it's encouraged, but you don't have to wear one. Any government uh, building cannot make you wear one. This has all been passed down from the governor. 
we still see coming out of Washington, D.C., we still see you should wear this and you should wear three and you should wear four. And, and of course, I'm exaggerating about that, but but there still seems to be where where that is almost being used as the kind of monster under your bed instead of what it truly is now. Uh, my personal opinion about that is I believe that the Democrats have always been seeking as much power as they possibly can. They've been, they have been seeking it through global warming and climate change as a way to, to extract people's wallets and to gain more control and more regulation over people. They're, they're actually control freaks to me. They're, they're that way. They believe that men, people are nothing more than cattle to be engineered and moved around, uh, get their shots, get their, get their shots. They should be eating this. They should be doing that. And they're constantly wringing their hands and figuring out how they're going to move the cattle from here to there. And it's not their job. It's not their job to, to treat us like cattle. Our forefathers set up a system where we're individuals. You protect the individual, you protect everybody, basically. And the mass thing and the COVID thing, it just um, sped that up uh, uh, by years to where they had finally had a reason to have total control over every aspect of our life. But in the blue states, these governors having a real hard time letting that go. And they're trying to, they're, they, it's like they're, 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 they're not letting it go of their cold, dead hands. I mean, it's like, uh, what did Obama said about uh, clinging to their Bibles and their guns? Well, they're, they're clinging to COVID. And, and and whatever else they cling to to get keep their power, it's sad to see it uh, that way. But it's just the truth. Uh, look at some of the red states. Uh, DeSantis. I mean, the guy is great. Some of the, the other gut red state governors. Yeah, and and I, I think you're correct about that. Uh, and you're talking about the Florida governor. Um, I yeah, think that DeSantis. the I think that the Texas governor has done a great job. Uh, Oklahoma has done a pretty good job, but once again, you're yes. talking about those. You're you're talking about those states where, when you looked when <clears throat> when the elections came through, they were one color. Those those state. I mean, the majority of them were one color. Um, and it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't. It, it seems funny because you talk about a state like Florida, and when we mean uh, one color, you have red and blue. And when the elections came around, especially going back to that Clinton-Trump election, uh, there were things that happened in Florida, not only that time, but this time, too, that weren't expected and they didn't think would be able to be pulled off. You would see deep pockets of in the in the large cities in Miami, in uh, Dallas, in in Austin, you would see where you would get a different color there. But everywhere else around it was the exact opposite of what they thought it was going to be. And so I go back to that question again where I wonder when you see those things, when the Democrats see those things, what is the next step in order to win those back over? Win them over to blue? Yeah. I think uh, you're seeing it at the border. Uh, I think you're seeing it in your schools with critical race theory. I think you're seeing it. Uh, my fear, one of my fears is 
that people uh, in their in the schools today, the generation that is going to school, will be brainwashed into believing this woke uh, culture, and uh, there won't be anything we can do about it. We need to start now. People need to start looking in at our schools and our kids that are coming out of the schools because a lot of this woke stuff coming out of our higher education, coming out of our high schools, has been systematically, they've been systematically brainwashed with this stuff by communist uh, socialist teachers and uh, faculties. Not all of them, but enough of them to where it's making a difference. We're seeing that difference being played out in our cities and states across the, the, across the country. Um, we, uh, that is where I think they want to go. Um, and I think that's where they're trying. They're trying every aspect. Um, what they've been very good at doing is getting into our local governments, into the schools. Um, they, they run for local uh, elections. Uh, conservatives, on the most part, I think they're busy doing family stuff or uh, businesses and running businesses, working, um, raising families, going to church, a lot of that. And, and they've never really been uh, focused on local uh, elections. But Democrats for a long time have, and um, I would love to see it. I know that some people are advocating and pushing for people to start getting involved in their, their schools and uh, local elections, and, and that would be a, a good improvement for us. Here's what I worry about, and, and we'll see if you agree with me. I worry that we get to such a great divide that it will be very hard to bridge it ever again. I, I agree. I agree. I agree. I think I feel like sometimes we're almost there. Um, I've lost some good friends. I've lost some uh, relationships that um, that were very dear to me, not because I let them go, uh, not because I pushed them away, not because I didn't want to be friends with them anymore. <laughs> Yeah, just that, because they, and that's they crazy to me. That that's crazy I know, I that know that is going on. Yeah, and I, I I agree. It's so crazy because um, I never I, they did, it wasn't that I couldn't tolerate. It was because they couldn't tolerate mine. They just couldn't. They couldn't bring themselves to be around somebody that believed what I believe. And um, that I've never seen quite that before. I've had friends where we've. We've had um, uh, debates back and forth about politics, and we've always got along. We agreed to disagree about different things over the years. Have they voted for Obama? I didn't. Um, and, and we talked about it, and then we laugh it off, or we say, yeah, well, I, I just don't agree with that. But this time is different. This time there's a rage. There was a rage behind, behind the left and people that I know and friends I know that I've not seen um, the hate for Donald Trump um, so intense. And I, I don't know if they had uh, attached their psychosis to their politics in some way that, that it, it comes out that way, but I've seen the guy do nothing that warrants that. And, and the, here's the point though, that, that is crazy to me when you say that. The, the hate for Trump was so real. I completely agree with you. That was there. But for a friend of yours who's been a dear friend forever, 
to hate another person so much that they can't talk to you? That's insanity. I mean, that's the definition of insanity. Yeah, exactly. And it, 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 uh, I've, I've tried to, you know, uh, I have to allow it to happen. Um, and there's nothing I can do. I'm not going to come uh, because um, I've lost a friend. It was his, it was his choice, uh, their choice to, to, um, want to make that decision and, and go there, go that way. Um, there's nothing I could do to stop it. Uh, there's, uh, uh, tr try to make them not make amends, but try to have a conversation about it. But, uh, it, that's how, that's how deep the hate is. It's beyond, beyond anything I've ever seen. Yeah. I, and, and, it, it seems funny to me that people, the people that preach the most about being peaceful and including everyone seem to exclude the most people. Absolutely. Uh, inclusiveness is what they, the word they like to use. They like tolerance is what they like to use, but they're the most intolerant people, uh, especially this last four years, the most intolerant people um, that I've ever seen as far as as this goes it's just unbelievable you have you can't even bring up something that maybe everybody should be able to agree that trump's did good you you know you should be able to talk about that but you can't even discuss that so so let's talk about a couple of the things about you where people can find you um i i want to talk about your books first uh make america laugh again volume one and two uh and then keep america laughing in parentheses at the left. Let's talk about those books and then where people can find them. Well, uh, Patriot Depot has my book, uh, uh, May, uh, Keep America Laughing at the Left. That's my most recent one. I just so happen to have a copy. So, And so yeah. when, you, when you do these books, does this, I guess my question to you was, do you get all of that that anxiety, that, that, uh, I don't know if it's, I, I don't think it's anger in talking to you, but do you get those feelings out? Do you feel, uh, kind of like the pipes are clean after you're done with it? <laughs> well, as soon as I finish a cartoon, I'm on to the next one. And I don't really think a lot about the last one I did, but I've always have something brewing in there. I always have issues that are coming and going and what I do at the end of uh, maybe after two or three years, I look through, I go back and look at some of my cartoons and I, I, I focus or I try to pick out some of the better ones, the ones that I think are more pointed, more uh, have a, a longer shelf life. The political cartoons sometimes don't have a very long shelf life, but um, there's some of mine that do and I try to put them in a book and so far, people seem to enjoy the books very much, and uh, I put quite a few uh, cartoons in a, in in the book. And but uh, they can get a, they can get the book at uh, Patriot Depot. Also, I think uh, uh, Amazon has them too, um, if they're interested. They want to see my cartoons too. They can go to Comically Incorrect. I was just about com. to mention that one. Yeah. And uh, most almost all of my cartoons are posted there every day at some point. Um, again, um, 
uh, legal insurrection. Uh, I do it a week for the cartoons. I'm in the government. Uh, they have a site called uh, a Daily Torch, uh, American Cares, uh, Conservative Daily, Flag and Cross also. I do cartoons for them too. And they don't tell me what to draw that's all out of my own head here, um, good or bad. So, own opinions. Also, people can find you on Facebook. Uh, they can find you on Twitter at AF uh, Branco. Uh, and then on Facebook, it's just your name, correct? Yeah, just Antonio F. Branco. Also, uh, I have a comically incorrect uh, Facebook page that they can uh, they can look at. Also, I want to point out on your uh, your comically incorrect. It's not only your cartoons. There's a shop on there. There is um, a blog that you actually do on there. There's there's quite a bit of things. There's the media that you've taken part in. There's a lot of different aspects that people might not see from the Facebook or if they just look at the Twitter. The the comically incorrect is kind of an all encompassing. Yeah, yeah, it's just the name of my website. I came up with that name. I had planned to do a lot more. I got busy and uh, drawing cartoons every day takes a lot of time, uh, more time than I have to do a lot of other things. So, uh, but I, I, if I'm if I happen to do an interview uh, like this one, or uh, radio interviews, I'll put it up there for people to see if they want to see it. Um, well, I, I love them. I, I, I look forward to them every day, uh, seeing your, your comics that are out there. They, they make me laugh almost every single day. Um, let's talk about real quick. What's your end game here? Well, my end game and my kind of my, I have one, I'm kind of making it up right now as I go, um, is to, is to inform, entertain and cheer. Uh, there are a lot of people out there who feel alone uh, in what they believe. And when they, uh, and I've heard this from different people, that when they see one of my cartoons, they feel like I'm part of their team and it makes them feel better about what they believe and to, to help them carry on a little bit. Probably the same thing that happens when they listen to your show or they, or they uh, read an op-ed piece. And um, that's, if that's what I, if that's my purpose, I'm, I get, I'm good about that. Um, it's basically a cheerleader, uh, try to inform as much as possible and, and just keep the, keep the hope alive <laughs> as well, Jesse Jackson would say. <laughs> well, I, I, I describe you to people as the, the Bob Ross for conservatives, uh, <laughs> And and the reason I say that is because I've even watched some videos of yours where you teach people how to draw uh, some of your characters. Oh, yeah. so yeah. I, yeah. I, listen, you're doing a great job. Uh, the the strip is absolutely hilarious. Uh, you're welcome on here anytime with your drawings and anything that you want to talk about. So, guys, make sure you go by comicallyincorrect.com. You can check out a bunch of stuff that's happening there. He's on Facebook at Antonio F. Branco. He's on Twitter at AF Branco. You can find him in a ton of places. He's on YouTube. You can just put his name in, and you'll see where he's been on Fox. You'll see where he's been in, in different things. I even saw a video that was like 27 seconds long, and they were saying 
uh, it was a news report that said all the political cartoonists that they hated, and then your name popped up as you and one other person were the ones they liked, and then they went right back into the people that they hated. And it was like 27 <laughs> seconds long, and that was all it was, was I hate this guy and this guy and this guy, but I like this guy and I like this guy, but I hate this guy, so... Uh, you're all over the place. You just got to put your name in there. You can also find him on LinkedIn. Uh, he posts cartoons there every day. If you want more of me, you can find me on Twitter at Doublespeak DJ. You can find me on Facebook at the DTD Podcast. And you can find me on YouTube at the DTD Podcast. Guys, you come here every week because the best stories are true and we bring them to you. That's AF. I'm DJ. That's been the show. We're going to get out of here. We'll see you later, guys. Bye. Thank you, DJ.